Good morning, everyone. Glad to have you here in person and online. And I pray that you come ready to study God's word with me and uh, not just to listen, but to also read in your own Bibles what the word has to say. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for letting us be here, still alive, here to learn more about you. Help us, Lord, to read in the study that we're doing today. Let, it, let us read and study and understand what you're trying to tell us, Lord. And over and over again, we keep seeing here in the first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles that you just want us to obey you. You want us to turn back to you when we've wronged, wronged you, Lord God, and that you're always ready and willing to accept us back. Help us, Lord, as we study this from the old times, that we remember that it means the same today for us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in Lesson 10. We have this lesson and a couple more, and then we will uh, have a new quarter and new lessons in James 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. Um, we are in Chapter 11, and we... Last week talked about Jehu and how he died, and, and now Jehoaz is reigning in Israel. We come to a lady named Athaliah. Um, her name could easily be Jezebel, but she she wasn't as bad, but she was still not she was still not good. And in fact, we started verse one of chapter eleven. It says, "When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah." saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, Ahaziah, sure I'm saying these names all wrong, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah, Athaliah reigned over the land. This lady, um, Athaliah, or Athaliah, was the only woman ruler. She wasn't supposed to be the ruler, but you see what happened. She slayed everyone who could stand in her way, anyone she thought that was of the royal seed. But then we see Jehosheba. She takes the king's son and hides him away. I asked you all to do a little study on her last week, and hopefully you did. Uh, and you may have not found a whole lot about her. Uh, Jehosheba, as I have written here in my notes... She is a little-known woman who had an important place in God's plan of the ages. Now, what you what you should also know about her, besides what's been written here, written here in verse two about her, she's also the wife of Jehoiada, or Jehoiada. Excuse me. He was the high priest at that time. Um, her name means Yahweh is an oath, and his name means Yahweh knows. But again, in my notes I have about her, 
Through her courage and ingenuity, she preserved the royal line of, of David through which Jesus, Jesus would come. Remember, God had already said that David's line was going to continue to go on. No matter what people thought they were going to do uh, to try to destroy that, God always made a way. Evil people like Aethalia will always begin their work, even today. There are people today that will try to destroy the church, that will try to destroy what we are trying to do uh, for the Lord. But God can always raise up a Jehosheba. And I ask that we all be like her, be ready to stand for what's right. So we see that she hid, she hid him in the bedroom. And I know when I used to read this, I thought, okay, well, there's lots of bedrooms probably in the palace, but this is literally a bedroom, a room where they stored the beds, the mattresses. Um, so she wouldn't think about looking in there, right? You know, who's going to be hiding out in a bed chamber, um, bedroom in the modern sense of the word? So they hid him for six years. And when we get to verses 4 through 12, uh, we see the, the coronation of Joash. So these folks that we are reading about, that, that you can read about yourself between verses 4 through 12, um, these were priests. And an oath of loyalty was given by them just to show um, their excuse me, show who they were loyal to before they would show the king. Because people did not know he, he was alive. And they had hid him all this time. In verses, verses 5 through 11, there's a battle plan that's given. In verses 5 through 6, the guards are divided into three groups. Again, we're in, we're in 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings chapter 11. The guards are divided into three groups, only one group working at a time. And those coming on duty also were divided into three groups. The, the other two groups received their instructions as well in verses 7 through 8. And then there, there was a plan that was carried out in verses 9 through 11. Let's start there. It says, So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada, the priest, commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath, with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada, the priest. And the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears and shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar and the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. They made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. Now remember, um, Thyler thought, well, everybody was dead. She didn't kill everybody. Everybody's out of her way. And, and and wouldn't you think if you were her, six years have passed and you've been in charge. So nobody's standing in your way. There will be no treachery. So, of course, when she's hearing this noise, it makes her perk up. Verse 13 says, Now when Thalia heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according, pillar according to custom, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Elithalia 
tore her clothes and cried out, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the horse's entrance into the king's house. And there she was killed. She should never done what she did anyway. When we get to verse uh, 17, the people replaced their loyalty to Jehovah. And they had fallen away. We've seen that over and over again. That the people fall away and then they come back to God. Verse 18, we see the bell worship was removed and its priests were killed. And Jehoash or Jaash, uh, Joash, depending on what version you have, he is the king. Verses 19 through 20. Now, before we go on, all that we've just read or, or um, summarized, realize all these people were around him and showing their loyalty to him. He was yet seven years old. And all these things had been done for him. You know, he had been protected all this time. And I was thinking as I was reading about um, Athalia, when it says that she came and stood and was looking and she saw the king Imagine, probably the last time she saw him, he was really little. He may have been um, one years old just at that time. And can you can you think about when you have looked at a, a baby at one time, that you've been around this baby for a while, right? And then years have gone by, and you haven't seen this child. And then you see this child again, and they have changed some, but you keep looking at him. Wait a minute. He looked like, he looked like, that can't be. I killed everybody. You know, that was, think about, she was human just like us, and that's, maybe that's how she was thinking. It doesn't matter now, she's dead. So, um, I just thought, I thought that was, uh, for me, something that I was thinking of. Well, anyway, in chapter 12, we see the reign of Joash, or Jehoash, in Judah. At this time, if you were wanting to figure out which which prophets are existing or who are alive right now or who are being mentioned, Joel is the prophet now during this time. I want you to also consider as we're reading through, we're going through First, Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, I want you to think about that the, the prophets that we read, um, that we can read books of um, the major and minor prophets, majority of them were existing during this time. And if you go and read those books, you would, as you're reading them, you should be able to identify, wait a minute, this was going on during this time, cause, or during First Kings or Second Kings, or when we're reading Chronicles, you know, it'll mention their names. And this is what they saw, and this is how they were warning the kings. It wasn't like, like the kings didn't know that they were doing wrong. God didn't just allow the kings to just you know, flourish and not tell them, not show them in some way that you're not doing right. And I can continue to go back to, and, and, and we're going to see this now, go back to how they had to have known what their fathers had done. But yet they still committed the sins that they did and then influenced the people around them, all the Israel, all the Jews. So Joash was raised by the priests, as we've, we've read. He's a good king, but... He still allowed worship of God in high places. You can see that in Second Chronicles 23, verses 2 through 3. 
the temple had been neglected, as we see in verses 4 through 16, and so there starts to be a repair. You can see the needs of the temple in chapter 24 of Second Chronicles. There's a long list of what, what is needed. Sin offerings, free will offerings, um, are, are requested, and requested offerings, excuse me, were to be accepted for the repairs. Well, Joash in verse 6 through 7 of chapter 12, he takes the responsibility upon himself to do the repairs as they were not being completed. It says there, now it was so, in chapter 12, verse 6, 2 Kings, now it was so by the 23rd year of King Jehoash that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. It's a long time to have nothing done for the temple. So King Jehoash, or Joash, called Jehoiada, the priests, and the other priests, and said to them, why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. So Jehoiada, then Jehoiada, verse 9, the priest took a chest, bore a hole in his lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priests who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. So it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who had the work who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked on the house uh, of the Lord. And what we see is that if you keep on reading through verses uh, through verse 16, that there was no requirement of accounting. He trusted that they would do what they needed to do and use the money to, to uh, repair the temple. Along with this accounting, if you look at Second Chronicles, we're not going there now, but you're welcome to on your own. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. Jehoiada, the high priest, he lived to be 130 years old, and then he died. And then we start to see the idolatry of Joash and Judah. Verses 17 through 18, Hazael is bought off and does not attack Jerusalem. And as a result, Joash is slain by his own servants. You can read about that also in Second Chronicles chapter 24. And then his son Amaziah uh, reigns. We move into chapter 13. Jehoaz and Jehoash of Israel. Um, we we talk about them some, and we see that there is still false worship that is going on. There's worship that is done to some calves. Verse three through five in chapter thirteen, the scripture says, "Then the anger of the Lord was arose, or excuse me, aroused against Israel, and He delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, into the hand of Ben Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days." So Jehoaz pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord listened to him. For he saw the oppression of Israel, because the king of Syria oppressed them. 
Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians. And the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. We've seen this cycle over and over, and it continues to go on and on. We have servitude, uh, servitude, and then sorrow and supplication. Then they're saved, and then they return back to sin. The cycle continues to go on and on, just like it does today. We do the same thing. We serve God, and then, well, we're in sin, and, and we, we plead to God, and then we, we, we promise to serve him. Because of our sin, we want to be saved, and we, we, we cry to him, we pray to him, we ask for, uh, we repent and ask for forgiveness, and, you know, God has already sent his son, so we have salvation through him, and then we feel good, and, you know, God has forgiven us, and then we go right back into sin. And so, as we point the finger to these kings and to the, the Jews, let's make sure that we understand we do the same thing. And God wants the same thing from us that he wanted from them. Obedience, a uh, penitent life, and having us serve him, always looking to, uh, to him for answers, for the answer and for salvation. In verse 5, we, we want to compare, you can compare uh, this savior, this salvation to that in verse 25 of Jehoash in chapter 14, verses 25 and 27 for Jeroboam. But then, as we see that he, he cried to the loud to the Lord and God saved him, then false worship and false gods came. In verse 7, we see there's a small army and then 8 through 9, Jehoaz dies. Now, for some of y'all that are new to the class, you may be wondering, why am I just summarizing some of these verses and not going through all of them? First and second Kings, first and second Chronicles are long. And there is a lot of information that's in there. And we have only three more weeks left in the class. And so I've asked you and <clears throat> I encourage you not just for Bible class, but for all times, get your Bibles out at home and study it yourself. Um, because in this class, I just want to bring highlight out highlight some things that maybe you haven't thought about or things I've thought about that that helped me understand what the scripture is saying here. So we we see we're going to start seeing more and more of a cycle of these kings. So there's the reign of Joash of Israel uh, in chapter 13 verses 10 through 13. The scripture tells us that he was an evil king. He fought against Amaziah of Judah and then uh, later on Jeroboam too reigns in Israel. If you look in Second Chronicles chapter 24, you will also find the stoning of Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. And this is a sad point that we get to in chapter 13 and verse 14, because Elisha is going to die. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him. And wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. 
for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck uh, Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. I was reading this and um, I was thinking just like a man, right? Our wives are like a husband. Our wives tell us, do this and we do this. That's that's what we do, right? Um, he only struck, he didn't tell them how many times to strike ground. So he should have just kept striking until he told them to stop. That's the point, right? Uh, but because of that, well, he only gets half a win, all right? Half a victory. Sorry, husbands, I beat up on us, I know. Um, in verse 21, we read, so it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man, Elisha dies in verse 20, um, when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. That would scare me. Uh, and Hazael, the king of, excuse me, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoaz. Now, in verse, verses 20 through 21, we see that there are life in the bones. Not a grave as we know it today where Elijah, Elisha was buried, but a burial place with a stone on the top of it or on the front of it. I want you to think about this. As that body was touching his bones, his, his body, think about this, that God is the God of the living and the dead. That God can breathe life into a situation where we think there is no life at all. Sometimes we... I, like Jaylee, you pulling, you pulling at this? No, God can make a way out of no way, right? And, God, and I don't, I don't know why it doesn't continue to go on. Why this, what happened to this man? What, what once, once that body came back alive, what, what happened with him? But what I, what I do understand is that I have to keep trusting in God, and that just like with this impossible situation, the impossible situations that we are presented with, God can make a way. God can breathe life into into an impossible situation. Can we get so involved with Satan that we think that there is no way to turn back to God? Yeah, sometimes we do. Sometimes we get so involved in our sin that we figure God doesn't want me. God couldn't want me back. I wouldn't want myself back. But you know, God wants us to come back to him. He wants us to always come back to him. We get dropped down to chapter 13 verses 22 to 25 we see the prophecy of three victories that were fulfilled and then we are over into chapter 14 we read about Amaziah and Azariah or Uzziah of Judah and Jeroboam the second of Israel Amaziah he was a good king he was a he was the ninth king and he rules for 24 years but the worship of Jehovah in the high places is still allowed. You can read that in chapter 25 of Second Chronicles. In fact, in chapter 25, verses 6 through 10, we learn Amaziah hires 100,000 Israelites or mercenary, Israelite mercenaries, but releases them after being warned by God. And then verse 
chapter five, uh, chapter fourteen in Second Kings, five through seven says, "Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, that he executed his servants who had murdered his father the king. But the children of the murderers he did not execute, according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not." be put to death for their children nor shall children be put to death for their fathers but a person shall be put to death for his own sin he killed 10,000 Edomites in the valley of salt and took Selah by war and called his name Jothiel to this day I believe this is proving my point about they had to these kings had to have known what had happened in the past because he knew what he should not have done this we that we just read um so these kings had no excuse they should have been doing they should have been doing what god wanted them to do verses 8 through 14 we see that there's a war between amaziah of judah and Jehoash of israel you can read more about that in chapter 25 of second chronicles not chapter 14 verse 9 we read and Jehoash, the king of Israel, and sent to Amaziah, the king, excuse me, the king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Y'all, y'all understand that? Because when you first read that, like, what is this talking about? Uh, actually, Tracy, you were talking about in the office this morning about different languages, you and James, and how do you understand stuff? Like, somebody starts talking in this this language, well, what does that mean? Verse 10, it says, You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that, and stay at home, for why should you meddle with the trouble so that you fall, you and Judah, with you? And so I was like, well, why didn't he just say that? But obviously, they understood each other, you know, by saying what they were saying. Well, the response carries the idea that you should not reach beyond your means. But he doesn't listen. He goes to battle. Um, he goes, the battle goes on to Israel. And Amaziah watches as the wall of Jerusalem is destroyed. Jehoash dies in first, we read about in verses 15 through 16. And then the, there's the death of Amaziah of Judah in verses 17 through 20. Azariah, his son, reigns. You read about him in Second Chronicles 26-2. And he is 16 years old when he begins to reign. He secures the victories over Edom. And we then read in verses 23-29 about the reign of Jeroboam, who was the second, who was the 13th king. He was evil. He was an evil king. In verses 23-25, we read... In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of jo- Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, y'all catch that? Two, some, some ones with the same names, became king in Samaria and reigned forty-one years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the sea of the. Arabah, excuse me, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amathai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. 
you would notice now that God is sending more and more prophets to help to help those people turn back to him. I wanted to mention something here in verses um yeah, in verse verse twenty five, when I was going back and restudying this, I was like, wait a minute, is that the same is that the same Jonah that we read about in Jonah? And we read that he he is the son of Amathai, the prophet who was from Gath. Well, if you turn over to Jonah chapter one get there. It should say the same thing. Ah, it's a different Bible this time. 1336. You're probably already there and reading it yourself. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amathai, saying, I match these two up and say this is the same Jonah. If I if I am incorrect, please correct me, but I believe this is the same Jonah. Jonah, excuse me, God gave him success because they had not yet been fully rejected. And then Jeroboam Jeroboam dies. Zechariah, his son, reigns. He, he reigns for six months and he's the 14th king. In chapter 15, we get to Azariah. It seems like it just speeds up now. Uh, about these kings and how they served and then how they died. He was a good king, according to Second Chronicles 26. Azariah left the high places. Azariah, Uzziah, the same person. The religion, the religion must have been so easy that they were able to leave these high places up and do things on their own terms. Uh, Azariah defeats the Philistines and the Ar- Arabians. The Amorites were then in subjection. You can read all more about Azariah and Uzziah, or Uzziah in chapter 26 of First Chronicles. But when we look in verse 5 of chapter 15, it says, Then the Lord struck the king, well, let's, let's start at verse 1, and in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jacoliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in the isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. So he was not a priest. He was, the king was usurping the priest's uh, work. This is why he became a leper. You can read that in Second Chronicles 26, verses 16 through 21. And then in verses 6 through 7, we see that he dies. And then we get to verses 8 through 31, and we see the last kings of Israel. Zechariah, Shalem, Menahem, Pekahiah. Pekah and Hosea. So in quick succession here, we see the reign as we go through the rest of chapter 15. The reign of Zechariah in Israel. He was evil. He was killed. The prophecy was fulfilled uh, to Jehu in chapter 10, verse 30. Then Shalem 
rules in or reigns in Israel. He reigns for one month, and he is slain by Manahem. Then Manahem reigns in Israel. He was a very violent man. He killed a whole bunch of uh, unborn children. He was an evil king, obviously. Assyria, excuse me, in verses 19 through 20, are under Paul, who invades for the first time. Menahem um, buys Paul off, and Paul was the last king of Nineveh. After him, the capital was moved to Babylon. Menahem dies in verses 21 through 22, and Pekahiah, his son, reigns. He was evil. Y'all, y'all get this? They, they each, the evil. He was killed by one of his own captains. Then Pekah rules in Israel, and he was evil. Assyria comes again and takes Nephtali away into captivity. Then Hosea reigns in Israel. Pekah is killed by Hosea. That's how he got the rule. Hosea then becomes the 19th, if you're counting, uh, king of Israel. But remember, you may or may not remember earlier in our study that Omri and Timni all both reigned at the same time. So really there were 20 kings. And that's the end of the kings of Israel. We will read a little bit more about them um, as we go on, but that's it. They were evil. They either died by their own children's hands or their servants' hands or their captain's hands or an invading army or something like that. But they didn't last long, and they didn't do what God would have them to do. And that brings us to chapter 15, verses 32 through chapter 16. Jotham and Hahaz of Judah are going to reign. We read about Jotham in verses 32 through 38. He was a good king. He also left the high places. Listen, we can't, how do I want to say this? We can't um, have the appearance of serving God, but not meeting the standard of what God wants us to have, how he wants us to serve him. We can look like it, but if we're truly not doing it, who we think we're fooling? We may be able to fool one another, but we cannot fool God. God has already laid out how he wants you to serve him, how he wants us to serve him and worship him. These kings were not going to the full standard of God. They kept leaving the high places. If you look in chapter 27 of Second Chronicles, you'll see that Jotham subjugates the Amorites. Raising of Syria and Pekah of Israel uh, war against Judah in verse 37. And Jotham dies in verse 38. Ahaz, his son, reigns. When that gets us to chapter 16. Ahaz was a evil king. It's like a recurring, uh, excuse me, a broken record here. He worshiped idols, including Molech. And the prophets that are on the scene right now are Micah and Isaiah. Raising of Syria and Pekah of Israel attack Judah, but they do not prevail. Raising captures uh, Eleth in Second Chronicles chapter 28. And as you read through chapter 28 of Second Chronicles, that is around the same time, you will see that Israel also takes on many captives and spoils, but the prophet Obed and certain princes procure their release, and Edom and Philistia invade and conquer parts of Judah. Going back to chapter 16 of Second Kings, we see that Ahaz pays Tilgat-Pilser of Assyria to help him. Assyria fails to, falls to Assyria 
and is taken captive. Verses 10 through 18 read in chapter 16. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tilgat-Pilzer, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah, the priest, the design of the altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. Then Urijah, the priest, built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Urijah, the priest, made it before King Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burned his burnt offering and his grain offering, and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Urijah the king, excuse me, the priest, saying, On the great new altar burned the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt sacrifice and his grain offering, the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering, their drink and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering, and all the blood of the sacrifice, and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Urijah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. And King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts and removed the layers from them. And he took down the sea from the bronze oxen and were under it and put it on the pavement of stones. Also he removed the Sabbath pavilion which they had burnt in the temple. And he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord and on account of the king of Assyria. Ahaz sends Elijah this drawing because he thinks their gods win. He thinks that, well, they're winning because of their, their idol gods, so I'm going to do the same thing rather than trusting in the true God, our true God. Ahaz sacrifices to the gods of Damascus. And he goes even further by altering God's appointed vessels and closing the doors of the temple. Basically, he made his own religion. He made his own way of um, sacrificing to who he thought was God. When he dies, and Hezekiah, his son, reigns. He's a good king. For majority of the part, he's a, he's a good king. He reigns for 29 years, and he's king number uh, 13. We get to chapter 17. We see the fall of Samaria. It's resettlement by uh by some semi-converted pagans. There's the reign of Hosea in Israel in verses 1 through 6. He was an evil king, but not so bad as his predecessors. Shalemassar, or Shalman, uh, as it said in Hosea 10, 14, and another way it said, his name is said is Sargon in Isaiah 20, verse 1. Uh, we read about him in chapter 3. He's the king, excuse me, chapter 17, verse 3. He's the king of Assyria. Well, Hosea is taken prisoner, and this is the end of the Israel nation, Israel as a nation. This is why I was saying we're going to still read a little bit about them, but they're done. Israel is done. And and this is why, because they, in verses 7 through 18, we find that they serve false gods. They refuse to hear God's prophets. They rejected God's statutes, and they sold themselves to do evil. Therefore, God removed them 
from his sight. Verse 19 says in chapter 17 of 2 Kings, Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. Uh, Tony covered this. Tony Cloud covered this on 9 January 22, that the sins of Judah equal the sins of Israel. We, we've heard this now. From I'm saying it. Tony has said The Bible has said it over and over again. Over and over again, the kings in, these, in the divided kingdom they saw what each other were doing. They saw what the rest of the world was doing. And they all knew that they were not serving God in the way that they should, but they thought they were all right. We do that today. I, I think I'm all right. I think I, I, I'm i serving God the way I feel that he is loving me. He, he's blessing me. He's taking care of me. So I must be serving God right. He must love me because he hasn't reached out and touched me. And uh, yeah, he might not do that now. But I would, I would hate to be on the day of judgment with that thought in my mind that, well, I think I serve God, right? You don't have to think. You don't have to guess at it. It's right here. It tells us. And they had the same thing. They could know how to serve God and how to worship him. The results of ca- is captivity. There's a lot of politics that, that happens sometimes in the Bible. But in verse 24, I think this, this would have been a good thing if I was a king. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kuthan, Alva, Hamath, and from Sepharvaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. They, he spread people about. That's good politics for some some uh, countries. Spread your people around. Jehovah sends lions among those heathen peoples as they know Jehovah still rules. So they, they would know that God still rules. And he sent, there's a priest that is sent to teach the Gentiles in verse 28. As we close this lesson today, we should understand that when you try to show your brother or sister the way of the Lord, they may scorn you like they scorned uh, Hezekiah in chapter 2 second, uh, second Chronicles 31 through 12. Hezekiah sends the letters uh, as as you get on down through chapter 17 and also in chapter 30 of Second Chronicles that tells around the same thing. Hezekiah sends letters to all of Judah and Israel to keep the Passover. Basically, he's telling them, you're still God's people. You're still a Jew. Do what God's telling you to do, no matter where you're at. Christians, no matter where we are in the world, we need to continue to keep serving God the same way. If you leave here and go somewhere else, you, you're going on vacation somewhere, and Sunday comes around, you should find yourself worshiping the Lord. It should be no different. So sometimes when you tell people that, just like Hezekiah, he was telling them what they should do, they scorned him. Well, sometimes when you when you tell people the way of the Lord, um, they scorn you and they say, don't, don't judge me, but you need to keep the Lord's way. You know, and I know we, we're talking about judging, and Tony is preaching on that, and I don't want to disrupt what he what he's speaking on the point i'm getting at is that 
in love, if I'm coming to you with God's word, I've I've examined myself over and over. I'm telling you what I do. I I pray about it a lot. Before I have come to you, I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I've contemplated. I want to make sure I'm not doing the same thing. Uh, And if I am, I need to repent of it and ask God for forgiveness. But I don't want you to go to hell either. I don't want to be there. You don't want, I don't want you there. So let's study together. Let's help each other get there. But keep preaching and teaching God's word. Many scorn them, scorn him, but some did respond. And that, that brings us, you, if you're, if you're following along, down to chapter 18 of 2 Kings. And we'll start, uh, lesson 11 there next week. Uh, I hope that you are, are reading your, your word. I know it's a lot of information. There's a lot that I'm not talking about because, well, there's, there's just a whole lot. But I hope that you're studying it for yourself. And, uh, I appreciate any, feedback or comments. If you want to sit down and study some more, I'm more than willing to do that. Thank you all for being here in class today. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Lord God in heaven, thank you for allowing us to have this time to study your word and reminding us that no matter how much we think we have sinned, if we have Christ on us, Lord, that we can repent and ask for forgiveness and know that you will accept us back. Help us to be able to do that, Lord. Help us to remember who you are. Help us to get out of that cycle of of sin. Help us to move forward with you and with one another, Lord. Help us to help each other get to heaven by continuing continuing in on your in your word and also doing your will. In Jesus name. Amen. We are dismissed.